Welcome to the Physician Wellness Lounge hosted by Dr. Yashoda Baskar, who is board certified in internal medicine and a diplomat of the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine. She is also an ICF certified life transformation coach and a certified money coach. This podcast features physicians who discuss wellness and balance within and outside of medicine. It covers a wide range of topics around this theme with some wonderful advice and practical tips that you can start incorporating right away to improve the happiness quotient in your life. We hope you enjoy this episode and please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you listen to it. And now here's your host, Dr. Yashoda. Yeah. Welcome to my podcast, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Yashoda, for having me. I love how you said my name. <laughs> Thanks. I just love that accent. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you did mention you're uh, originally from um, Grenada, is that right? Yes, okay. Grenada in the Caribbean. Grenada. Yes, mm-hmm. we'd love to go there someday. It sounds sunny and warm. <laughs> it is, it is. A little island surrounded by the Caribbean Sea. It oh. is a nice place to go. I mean, we would love to go there right now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I totally, I totally can see that. Um, so Dr. Parrot, can we start by having you introduce yourself to our audience here today and tell us a little bit about your journey uh, with medicine? Sure, sure. So as we just said, I grew up in Grenada in the Caribbean, and I came here for medical school, completed my residency in New York and Philadelphia. And I moved down south to Georgia because I was running away from the cold. This was (laughs) something that I had wanted to do for most of my life. I wanted to be a doctor and I strived towards it. I made sure that I studied hard, worked hard, all those things you're told to do to get into medical school and then what you need to do in medical school to survive and get into residency. And then after residency, get that job. So did it all and got into internal medicine, spent some time in Philadelphia. And when I finished that, moved down south, as I said, running away from the cold Mm -hmm. to start working as an attendant. And so you've been, um, it sounds like you were doing, were you doing outpatient work first and then became a hospitalist? That's right. So I initially wasn't sure if I wanted to do outpatient or inpatient medicine. So I joined a traditional practice where they did both inpatient and outpatient medicine. And I did that for three years, but by the end of the first year, I was pretty certain I did not want to do outpatient medicine. (laughs) I... I couldn't understand why patients would complain about things like their toenails when we have (laughs) sick patients with heart attacks and GI bleeds. I mean, that just didn't (laughs) resonate for me. So you're speaking my language. You're speaking my language. I know sometimes, you know, especially when we have kids, right? They're like, oh, I cannot believe it. Like, they're like, I hate having you as a doctor because it, I, we have to be like bleeding out before you'll pay any attention to us. Yes, my family said the same thing. They're like, I need to be on the floor, dad, before you pay attention. 
<laughs> Our poor family, seriously. I know. Oh, so it sounds like you basically made the switch and became a full-time hospitalist. And you've been doing that for several years. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit about how balance and wellness played into your life as a busy hospitalist and trying to juggle all these different roles that that we all are sometimes asked to or we have to. Right, right, right. So I would say easily the first 11 years or so were easy, mostly because I was single and my priority at the time was just work and climbing that ladder, so to speak. So I got involved in projects. I became a medical director. I added other certifications to my resume. Uh, I was just doing all those things because at that time, career was the priority. It was easy to balance it then because you go home and you don't have much to do other than, okay, take some time off to visit friends and hang out with friends or just get some work done. And then that all change once you have a family. You then have to spend that time a little bit more wisely because you can't spend all that time on your career. You then have to make them a priority if you want to get it right. And so still try to do projects and working those long 12-hour shift days. And after doing that for easily maybe a year or two, it became a little bit much. And that is when I started to find myself floundering and losing that sense of I'm in control. It was more like, oh my gosh, I think I am dying under trying to get this all done here. And it was just so much to do. You know, you'd have this to-do list and it wouldn't, you would take off two items and add three. Right. You take off four, add five. <laughs> the list never really went down. <laughs> Oh goodness. Yeah. Sounds like a really tough situation, which I know a lot of women physicians who are listening to the, this podcast, I'm sure resonates very deeply with them. Um, did this come about when you mentioned that you had twins? Right. So that would have been quite the challenge again to manage being a mom of really young babies and then right. on hospital shifts. How were, how were you, um, managing it I guess well I think we were literally just surviving I mean all hands on deck my husband myself I mean thankfully we had a wonderful nanny who helped us as well but it still required all hands on deck to take care of them especially when we were both working and we both had um, I had long 12-hour days. He also had long days as well, non-physician, but still working long hours. Mm. And so it was a case of barely surviving, just trying to get through one day to the next. And in all honesty, I don't think we did it very well. I think a lot of it was just, okay, we need to get this done today. Okay, done. We need to get this done tomorrow. Okay, done. <laughs> there was no great forward planning let's work on this let's do this it's more like we're trying to keep these little people alive right and this is all we just need to do for today <laughs> once we've succeeded okay yay on to tomorrow yeah yeah tough tough it is it's tough when you know the kids are young and both are working full-time and even with the nanny and stuff uh, at the end of the day the primary responsibility falls on the parents so and you know medicine is very unforgiving there is no give there 
Right. Um, so, so tell, you mentioned in your bio that you're starting to feel a little burnout and um, what sort of came to you that you were like, okay, something's got to give, like something's got to change. I can't keep going like this, right? Right, right, right. So this probably came to came together maybe easily a year and a half, maybe when they were two, somewhere between a year and a half to two. After we've been doing the running every day, okay, we kept them alive another day um, scenario and really started to realize that cranky, not enjoying things as much. You feel like there's this constant weight of things to do. You know, everything just looks like a burden. Simple things look like a burden to accomplish. It looks so ominous, so such a mountain to overcome. Things that shouldn't be because it's just that you're tired, you're exhausted, you don't have anything to give. There was no time spent on taking care of self. There was no time spent taking care of each other. There's none of that. It was right. all about survival. And easily around when they were a year and a half to two, that is when it really dawned on me that between work and taking care of them, not having adequate sleep, not being able to exercise, not able to focus on individual self, it, it took a toll. Yeah. 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 But there was some respite because right around that time, that's when my hospital also offered a mindfulness course, which I signed up for. And that was a game changer for sure. Mm -hmm. yes. And so were you able to make some adjustments um, with how you're basically leading your day so that you felt like you could get more balance back? What, are, what were some steps that you took to change and get your health and your mental balance back into place right so the course focused mainly on meditation and that was a great first start it was just about meditation learning the basic principles to do with it and that helped a lot it started to take some of the stress away started to clear away some of that fog that you exist in when you're so mm -hmm. burnt out you're not even sure if it's to go left or go right 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 <laughs> Yeah. So that was a good first step, but it also made me realize that part of taking care of myself was doing things that I enjoyed. So being able to exercise and spend time with myself, doing things that I like, like hobbies that I hadn't had a chance to do in quite a while. It was time to think about embracing those again. I didn't pick up some of the hobbies that I'd had before, just mm -hmm. based on time constraints and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it, it gave me the opportunity to look at new things that, are, that I was curious about and see if it's something worth exploring. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I did explore was um, being a travel agent. And that was a lot of fun. It was oh, a lot of fun. Interesting, yeah. It was. Yeah, so I enjoyed it. Um, there are several other physician moms who do it as well. It was a lot of fun. There's a group of us who are together and we help each other out. And it was a wonderful experience to do something different that wasn't necessarily a mother role or a physician role. It was a right. different part of Nicole. Right. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that definitely helped in clearing that fog, that burnout, that, oh, I'm so tired. I have no energy. My cup is empty feeling. Yes. And as the time went on, I started to learn about coaching. Mm. And I had the experience of being coached myself. And it was such a powerful experience. Mm. 
that I took away so many lessons in terms of taking care of myself, planning for the future, visioning, mm -hmm. downloading. I, be um, I became this self-care junkie. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah. So I started gobbling up all these books and podcasts about self-care and development. One of my favorite podcasts, the Life Coach School, Brooke Castillo. And so I learned a lot from that. Mm -hmm. And I learned about looking at your thoughts and how they lead to your feelings and actions. And so, and I learned the importance of taking time to just journal, write your thoughts down, look at them mm -hmm. from that outside perspective without any emotion involved and just analyze right. what's going on as an impartial observer. Right. So those were all things that really helped get me on the track, on the right track. Awesome. Another thing as well was just being able to get organized, mm. making sure that I give each bucket its priority. Mm. Work, Nicole, mom, wife. And so these all got their fair time share. Once I was able to start putting things in their buckets and giving them designated time slots. So it, and it, it doesn't have to be fixed, but at least, you know, there's a time to get these things done. Yes. Yeah. More focused on, on your priorities. So, so Nicole, one of the things I hear come up a lot is that people are in the midst of burnout, let's say, right. And they're just like, I cannot take on one more thing. I'm barely keeping all these balls that I'm juggling up in the air. When you decided to sign up for that mindfulness course and you were already so busy, you said you were just basically just trying to survive and, and, uh, and, and make sure your kids stayed alive. How did you decide that you were going to fit that in no matter what? Like what was that pivot moment that said, even if I only have an hour, maybe, but this is going to be a priority because that's what people run into, right? Like a lot of people know what they're supposed to do. We all know what we all know. We have to eat healthy and sleep and exercise. But the reality of our life is such when you're doing 12, 14 hour shifts that you literally don't have the time to do, whether it's mindfulness, whether it's meditation or exploring, maybe being a travel agent like you did, <laughs> right? So what was that, I guess I'm trying to see, can you give us some tips on, based on your own experience that allowed you to find the space in your already busy life to do this? Right, and that's a great point because when you're that tired, you can't imagine adding another thing. It just becomes that straw that breaks the camel's back. So I, I, I completely understand what you're saying. It actually worked out really well. And it wasn't even that I had to do so much juggling and rearranging of my schedule. At the time, we had three different or four or five different shifts that I remember now. But we had the rounders and then we had three admitters. Mm -hmm. So the admitters would come in at staggered times. And what they did to accommodate as many people as possible, they had the the um the sessions at several different times over the course of about a month to allow people to pick and choose what time worked with their schedule so i simply took the ones that were before my admitter shifts knowing that i would have the morning free 
And instead of using that to run errands, I said, I'm just going to give this a try. I have nothing to lose. Beautiful. Except I'm going to feel better at the end. It'll be a step forward and maybe I will gain something out of this. Mm. Such, a, such a beautiful demonstration of almost like synchronicity, right? Because when mm -hmm. we talk about burnout, yes, there is all the self-care modules that we need to do for ourselves, whether you're burning out or not. I think just as humans, we should be taking care of ourselves, especially high-performing mm -hmm. professionals like physicians and other professionals. But the other important point you brought up was a system that recognized that they needed to change. They needed to offer tools, but also that they needed to offer tools that would work. If they just did, you know, Monday mornings at 7 a.m., maybe three people would show up because it wouldn't work for the other 300 physicians. But it sounds like it was a pretty well-planned, well-thought-out um, program such that people like you and other physicians with kind of crazy, hectic schedules could still take advantage of it. So I, I just yes. wanted to really call that point out. So I guess that was the pivot point that started opening up your mind to mm -hmm. other possibilities, right? It was like that. Mm -hmm. It was like that trigger that you needed to say, okay, I don't need to be like this anymore. I don't need to be just surviving. It, it allowed you to pause and have that space to bring these thoughts out into the open. Mm -hmm. That's that correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. It was recognizing that it didn't have to stay the same and remembering that things were fairly balanced before. Why cannot, why can't it be balanced again? Mm. Yes. I love that. I love how you made that thought change as well. That you did, you, you saw that it was possible to do. Yeah, there's now the two little ones and a husband, but you could still get there again. <laughs> You'd, you'd, you'd experienced it before, so you knew what it should feel like and you worked toward it very sort of methodically and consciously. Right. Yeah. 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 Requires an occasional acrobatic move, but for the most yeah. part, yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's just life, right? It's, you, you can never plan everything out to a no. T and, and then it wouldn't be that fun anyway, right? It would be extremely boring and mechanical. So. Sometimes you have to have a little excitement in your life. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about the whole coaching piece. It sounds like you're enrolled in the coaching program. And um, what made you, you know, it's one thing to get coached and be seeing and see the power of coaching and how much it changed your life. But not everybody who gets coached necessarily decides to pursue a coaching path. Um, so tell us a little bit more about that journey of yours. Right. And that is a great point. It was such a powerful experience getting the coach and putting the tools together to achieve that balance and that sense of wellness. And knowing that so many other physician moms were in the same position, I was like, if I could do something as well to help, at least one or two, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. because hear it all the time. People are struggling, they're busy, they're overwhelmed. They're like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just doing stuff. And you get that constant sense of ducks almost on that water, just furiously paddling <laughs> away, trying to get across the pond. Yeah. <laughs> you described it beautifully. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so after my own experience and thinking of everything, if I could transfer some of that to someone else, help them along that path, I would consider it an amazing blessing. Mm, I love that. So beautiful. Thank you. So, so Nicole, going forward, in, once you graduate from coaching school, you're still working as a hospitalist, you're still a mom and you're still a wife. What do you envision you will be doing and how you will be serving the world, let's say in the next six months, a year, two years from now, combining all these different unique talents of yours? <laughs> uh, thank you. So yes, it's a lot, but uh, I think a lot of it has to do with organization. That's one thing. That's one thing I learned, making sure that you're scheduling things based on your priorities, where you want to be, what you want to do, how it aligns with your values. Uh, looking forward to six months, a year, I think it will be a mixture of continuing to do hospitalist work because I do enjoy that, in spite of having done it for 12 years somehow. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun job. Fun. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I, I'll still do that, but I'm also excited about helping others on their wellness journey as well. And I've even started to get more involved in my program to help others along that same path as well. So that is something I've volunteered myself for. I'm like, yes, I'm going to help with, I'm going to be part of that wellness committee and see what I could do to encourage other physicians to embrace the opportunities they need to get back well and embrace well-being. I love that. Whatever it takes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Do you see a role of maybe bringing coaching into organizations and hospitals and institutions? Um, because there is the whole, let's be honest, it can get pricey and people, that holds a lot of people back to pay for a coach. What are some thoughts that you have around that piece? Right, and while it may be pricey, I think you cannot put a value on your well-being and yourself. We already pay so much money for medical school. We pay so much money towards our homes, things like that, mm -hmm. just to put it in perspective. Mm -hmm. So while it may appear pricey, so to speak, I don't think we could put a number on that. However, there is a lot of value to be had in also coaching in the organization. Mm -hmm. I think it will allow the thought process of we just have to keep plodding forward no matter what, blindfold without emotions, right. just get it done, get it done, get it done. I think that will definitely help change that mindset, help us pivot to realize that physicians are humans mm -hmm. and we have bad days, we have good days, and sometimes things happen that may hurt our feelings too. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You yes. know, group health, actually, where I worked, we had a peer coaching program. It wasn't like hugely robust, um, but I was actually a peer coach for several physicians, um, mainly if they wanted to improve their patient satisfaction scores, for example. Um, and I would shadow them in the exam room. And, you know, being a fellow physician, they had that sort of comfort with me that would be very hard to have like a non-physician coach be in that role. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Kind of going back to what you're saying about, you know, pricey and value, I think one of the things that is important to point out as, you know, as fellow coaches is 
what is the price if you don't do this, right? If things yes. don't change, if you continue on the pathway yes. to burnout, yes. you might need to leave medicine early, you know, this financial implications, if you still have student debt and, and loans to pay off and whatnot. And so if you look at it from that lens, it's actually a really good investment because it is going to allow you to practice longer, but also be more happy. And you can't really put a price on happiness. No, you, know? no, you can't, you can't, right, you can't. Right, so because I do hear that and I, I see several threads on Facebook and stuff about like, what is all this coaching about? And you know, the previous guest that I had this morning, we had this conversation where as physicians, we are high performing individuals. We sort of almost have to think of ourselves as like athletes, right? Mm -hmm. Or the mm -hmm. CEO of our own lives. Exactly. And how many athletes or CEOs do you know who don't have a coach? They have a team, mm -hmm. right? So we have to sort of remember that we do belong in that sort of almost elite category Mm -hmm. And we make good money. I mean, compared to regular people, we still make good money. What are you going to use that money for? Right. Exactly. And so if it is something that you can invest in yourself, so you can go on longer, you can be happier, you can have a more peaceful family life. Correct. Your marriages sometimes fall apart. Let's be honest. Like, is yes. this not worth to you to have a good relationship with your spouse? You know, mm -hmm. make sure your children are well taken. I mean, there's so many... You know, especially as women, right? We we're the linchpin in the family. We sort of hold things together, mm -hmm. and when we start falling apart, everybody and everything around us starts falling apart. Exactly. So, exactly. I'm sorry, yeah, I can't so over, but I feel really passionate about this. And whenever I get okay. a coach, you know, I, I I just have to like go there, you know. So no, I agree. I agree 100. You cannot put a value on your own well-being and your own happiness that is what you will need to keep going. That is what you will need to overcome the challenges that will come your way. And you look at all the big CEOs and you look at all the um, athletes who are doing well, they have teams, as you said, they have coaches. Right. So why can't we have coaches? Because we're not just physicians. We are so much more than physicians. We have so much we could give. Right. But if you don't have a coach and you don't have someone who could help you see what you could do besides right. what you were trained to do, then you miss out on having a fuller experience in life. Absolutely. absolutely. So there's, there's no value you can put on getting coached. There's absolutely no value. Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's <Well>, priceless. <laughs> yes. No, I agree. I think, you know, again, it's a mindset shift that people have to make. And, you know, there are a lot of things we can do on our own. But sometimes we do, a lot of times we do need somebody in our corner, especially when we have a high stress, high sort of, um, uh, you know, high stress, but also needing a lot of us, a lot of us, you know, a lot of mm -hmm. us goes into our work and it's important to stay balanced. And it's, it's great to have somebody who can be in your court and hold you accountable and, and all of that kind of stuff. So, oh yes. Oh yes. Because in medicine, we're forced to think about making sure everything is correct 100% mm -hmm. of the time. Right. But life isn't like that. And there are times we're going to fail. We're not going to succeed with an A+. Plus. Right. <laughs> it may be a C. And so all those are things that as physicians, we could easily find ourselves getting down on ourselves and having other self-esteem issues and sabotaging ourselves. Yes. But a coach is able to look at those things and be that objective. Yep. 
that objective voice of reason and say, look at this, X, Y, Z is the case. Is it really right. that bad? Right. It may not be that bad a lot of times once you have somebody outside of it looking at what's going on. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. about perspective. So that's exactly. great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Nicole, I tell you, I get guests and then I feel like we can talk for hours. <laughs> been so much fun thank you so much for coming on i really really appreciate your willingness to do this um can you again tell our audience where they can find you and reach out to you um, if they just want some help or just want to talk something over with you sure 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 no, thank you so much again for having me so i can be found on linkedin it's my name and parat and also i have a website it's www.mind dash u dot io m-i-n-d dash u dot io perfect wonderful thank you so much again nicole for everything you do and um, i'm so glad that you found your balance in uh, in your life and <laughs> you're continuing to take care of patients and stay in medicine but on your terms that's wonderful exactly that was my hope that was my hope thank you so yeah. much for having me thanks for all what you're doing as well you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.